So you want to read Tolkien? We're happy to have you with us. Join us as we work our way through the Silmarillion. I'm Caitlin. I'm Rachel. And I'm Emily. Let's dig into this week's reading. For Middle-earth. If I tried to pronounce every letter in this name, my tongue would fall out of my mouth. I mean, I am on my second giant glass of Prosecco right now. So... Sally Ho! That's what Into the West means. Let's go home. We're unqualified, but we have ideas. I'm going to start the episode now. So, here we are with episode here 15 we are. of the Silmarillion of Turin Turambar. What a pain in the ass. Yeah, human disaster. He is an asshole and he is cursed. So, that equals. Yeah. There it is. That's the chapter. <laughs> yeah, That's all you need. No, but um, I'm happy to run through the characters first, our dramatist persona. Um, Let's start off with Ryan, who's the wife of Hur, mother of Tour. Um, Gosh, their name's all Ryan. And we also have Morwen, who's the wife of Hurin, mother of Turin, uh, Ninor, and the very short-lived Lelith. Uh, Turin, of course, is our main character, and Ninor is his sister, um, as well as some other things. So remember that incest warning we had at the end of our last episode? That's where this comes in. So stay tuned for the summary. Um, and if you didn't listen to our last episode, um, incest warning. Yeah. Also suicide warning. Yeah. It's a fun chapter. This is chapter is a disaster. It's funny how... How in, like, old epics, incest and suicide tend to go hand in hand. Go hand in hand. They really do. I think it's a conservative Christian thing. But anyway, a quick sum up of how all of these people are sort of related. Turin is the heir of the House of Hador, which is the second house of the Edain. Um, Ryan and Morwen are both of the House of Beor and uh, cousins of Baron. Yeah, it's like probably. I didn't look at the family tree. Father, but we're this like cousins with or something. So that makes Turin like the great cousin nephew. He first removed something. Twice or other. removed. He would yeah, be, he would be Baron's first cousin once removed. <laughs> we're gonna believe Caitlin on that one. Um, we also have Belig Stronbo, who is called Kuthalian. Kuthalian, whatever. He's an elf from Doriath, and he really, really loves Turin. Really, really. Um, it's it's hilarious hearing how Emmy interprets Rachel's notes. <laughs> I mean, no, it's true. He does. Yep. Tolkien is a queer baby bastard. We've covered this before. Yeah. Um, we also have Thingol and Melian. Right? They're the elf and the Maya rulers of Doriath, and nobody listens to Melian ever. As per um, usual. Another very important character is Mablung, who's an elf captain of Doriath, and he's also one of Turin's friends. Um, he plays a significant role in the disasters that happen. Um, we have Meme, Mim. Who knows how the carrot on top of the eye is pronounced? Not me. But this is a petty dwarf, which are basically the dwarves that were here first and apparently dug out most of Nargothrond before the fucking Noldor showed up, maybe? Um, And they hate everyone, not the least of which because they got named petty dwarves, (laughs) which is pretty bad. Um, Except for some reason, Mim or Meme or however you pronounce it doesn't hate Turin, even though... Honestly, he really should, with the way that chapter unfolded. Um, we have Gwyndor. Hang on, I'm going to interrupt real quick and read from the back of the book. Okay. About a circumflex accent in stressed monosyllables in Sindarin does something, but in Kuzdul, so Dwarvish, names, um, in those names, the circumflex is simply used to denote long vowels. So I guess that makes him Mim. Mim. <laughs> Sure, because why not? Okay, <laughs> longer. But names. I honestly don't know. Is that meme or mim then? 
It's mem. Okay, good. I like mem so much better than meme. Me too. Because now, I, I, <laughs> oh my the god, he's meme not. He's a meme. Mouth, I was like, oh god, he's a meme. He is the kind of. Meme. He's basically grumpy cat. <laughs> oh god, he's the worst. Anyway, okay, we have Gwyndar. I'm doing this again. Uh, Gwyndar is an elf from Nargothrond who tried to avenge his brother uh, from the the Battle of Unnumbered Tears, but he got super wrecked and you know he was one of the people forced into hard labor and we find him uh sleeping beneath a tree sort of kind of not really moving on oradreth um is now the king of nargothrond um he was finrod's brother and are you excited by the sheer number of characters we have in this chapter a lot of stuff happens there's a lot of traveling um oh god this was another character I hoped never to have to read out loud. Finduilus? Finduilus? See? Yeah. Just say it flat. All the elvish names are flat. Finduilus um, is Oradreth's daughter um, and also another, you know, super unbelievably pretty elf who has absolutely no purpose other than being a love interest and somehow connected to the curse. Um, She gets to fall in love against her will in this chapter, it's kind of awful. We have Morgoth, who is still evil. We have Glaurung, who is still a dragon. Um, and way more manipulative uh, than... I mean, really, than almost any other character we've come across. Yeah, I feel like in previous chapters, he showed up as, like, a trump card. Like, hey, here's my fire-breathing pet. But in this one, he's like, hello, I will go He's a supervillain in this yeah. one. I will cause I mean, turmoil. It yep. is. It's intriguing. The word for it is um, Uru Loki, so it's it's very Loki, <laughs> complete with like the calling of names. But that's getting way too Norse mythology, and we're not there yet. We're not there yet. There are a bunch of humans that we may point out in the summary when we get there, but they're not returning characters, so they're not important enough for me to bring up here. So, All right. I will hand it over to Caitlin to give you a short blip on this chapter and also cover all of the names that Turin acquires. So yeah, we're mixing things up this episode and Rachel's going to do the majority of the talking, which I'm really excited about when I'm editing later. I don't have to listen to 40 minutes of just me. (laughs) Uh, So the quick sum up of this chapter was actually the easiest one I've had to write so far. And that is Turin, son of Huron, uh, makes a lot of bad choices. People really like him All anyway. The bad choices. And then he kills a dragon and then himself. That, <laughs> I mean. God. And this is the longest chapter in the book. But that's pretty much what happens. Yep. So throughout the chapter, because of the curse, or once Turin learns that he is cursed, he gives himself a whole bunch of different names. Like whenever he goes to a different area, he gives himself a new name, trying to hide who he is from people, but. Possibly also from the curse. Also from the curse? Yeah. So the names that he gets in this chapter, we're only going to call him Turin for simplicity's sake, but just so you know. The first... Oh, I'm going to have to read all of these out loud. I didn't even think of that. You Fuck. are out loud. I'm so excited. <laughs> so the first one is... Okay. Thali... Hmm. I'm going to I'm gonna give this one a couple just tries here. Commit. Thali Ordrin? Thaliadrin? Oh, No. Thaliodrin, which means son of Thalion, and somehow that's about Huron. I I don't I didn't look up what Thalion means. And then Nathan, Nathan. Oh, Nathan, that's like a name. It's spelled differently, so I didn't think of it that way. Uh, which means the wronged, and is the name that he takes when he's with some outlaws. And then Agarwen. Agarwan? Agarwan? <laughs> sure. <laughs> is the name that he takes when he lives in Nargothrond. And then Thurin, which is called which is apparently the secret, is a name given to him by Fingulus. Um which is very close to his actual name. And then <laughs> Adenethel, which means elf man. Which is a name given to him in Nargothrond. And then another name is Mormigil. Mormigil? 
I think the latter. I don't think at all. I'm always wrong. Sure. Which means black sword because he has a, um, uh, you know, a black sword. <laughs> <laughs> He's real creative. Yep. <laughs> um, he is sometimes called the wild men of the woods. And then at the very end, he calls himself Tarambar, which is a Quenya name, which if you'll recall from like many chapters ago, the Quenya language is actually outlawed. So who knows how he, who knows how he learned Quenya, um, which means master of doom, which I think is funny considering that he, he didn't, he did not master his doom uh, at all. Yeah. I mean, at least... I was thinking about it because he's raised in Doriath, who, you know, is why that's outlawed. But he does spend a lot of time in Nargothrond. So maybe someone taught him some secret stuff. Maybe Finjulis. <laughs> <laughs> some talents of the tongue. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> On that note, um... As we were going through the different names, though, I realized we should also mention the bonus character of... Hurin, who is not in this chapter, but it should be reminded that Hurin was cursed to basically sit in um, Morgoth's lair and see everything that goes on. So as you're hearing this disaster train wreck that is Turin's life, just picture <laughs> Hurin <laughs> sitting there, like screaming at the air, not able to change his son's bad decisions. And they are bad decisions. They are bad. So, on that note, I need to, like, crack my knuckles, do some warm-ups. This is a long one. So we start the chapter with learning what has happened with the uh, wives and young children of Hur and Hurin. Um, Hur is dead in the last chapter, and Hurin, of course, is captured. But um, Hur's wife, Rian, was pregnant, and she flees into the wild when her husband doesn't come back, is picked up by some elves who take on her son once he is born, that's Tuar, and then appears to die the elf death of grief because, you know. That's a thing. That's a thing. Once your husband's dead, you pretty much just go away. Have no purpose. Anyway, forget about her. She's not important. <laughs> to this chapter, it is important to note that Rion's husband was the one who looked at one of the elf kings, I forget which one, and said, hey, I think from our two houses, some salvation is going to happen. And now her kid is being oh, raised by elves. The secret, secret elves. place. The secret, secret place. Yeah. Yes. Um, anyway, we're going to get to Turin because Morwen, who was Hurin's wife, um, has Turin and a daughter named Laleth, who dies of disease right away. Um, but Hurin ends up her and what Karen went off to battle and she was also pregnant with another kid. So, um, apparently Turin was about eight. I don't know. Exciting stuff here. I have no idea where I got this information from. I don't know. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so she ends up staying in their home, um, which is in Dorlomine, but the Easterlings who are the newer arrived humans to, um, Beleriand end up taking over after everything happens and so they basically enslave all the people that were already there um Morwen gets taken care of reasonably well because she's pretty um but she sends Turin away and so um what's key here is that he doesn't really know his about to be born younger sister and also that she he ends up getting raised in Doriath because Baron was his family, and she hopes that Thingol will be nice, which, even though he hates humans, he actually kind of is. So, um, Turin, yeah, ends up growing up in Doriath. It's exciting. Meanwhile, and this whole chapter is just going to be meanwhiles, because we jump all over the place. <laughs> yeah. um, Consistency is not Tolkien's strong suit. Yeah. <laughs> so, meanwhile, um... Morwen's second daughter is born, Nianor, and they end up deciding to stay in Dorlomine where they are, even though they've been asked, like, offered to be to join um, Turin and Doriath. Um, we don't really know why, but as most of the stupid things in this chapter, we're just going to blame the curse for it. 
Um, there you she go. does, however, send the super duper fierce helm of Hador. I believe so. Yes. I name it somewhere else, but it's a really badass helmet um, for Turin to have. A very noticeably recognizable helm. Yes. It's very obviously part of their family. Stay tuned for that. Um, So Turin grows up in Doriath. Thingol actually likes him. He's basically a father to Turin. Um, And eventually Turin joins the March Wardens with his friend Beleg. And they pretty much protect Doriath and go out killing orcs together for a bunch of time. Um, at this point, they're basically completely disconnected with Morwen and Neonor. So, Turin, having been out in the wild for three years, I love this note from Caitlin, he's been out there in the woods, so he doesn't exactly look like Orlando Bloom upon his arrival back in Menegroth. <laughs> um, yeah, some, some douchebag elf makes fun of him for looking real shaggy, and, um, so Turin, being a real good thinker, throws a, quote, drinking vessel, may or may not have been full at the time, (laughs) at this dude, Um, which, side note, drinking vessel, alcohol. (laughs) I know. I was excited when I read this. Um, Anyway, he basically, yeah, hurts the elf by throwing a big old mug at him. I and can I just interrupt and say yes. that I love that all the shit that happens in this chapter is started because he threw his fucking cup at a dude's head. Yep, it is true. Like nothing wouldn't have happened if, or if this dude hadn't insulted him for growing a beard. <laughs> that too. But if one of them had just kept Elves a level man. head, permanently douchey, just threw a freaking mug. He, these aren't even elves. Although there yeah. is, <laughs> there is a uh, a Silmaril in Doriath now, so. Maybe mm. that's fucking everyone up. Who knows? <laughs> well, that and curses. If anything would. Yeah. We're going to have my favorite word a lot in this one, which is doom. It, it, it's important to note that the first half of the summary I wrote and the second half Rachel wrote. And as soon as you hear her just say doom over and over and over again, you can tell that that's, that's where Rachel took over. Very obvious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, so Turin throws a cup at someone. That someone is pissed off, attacks him back later the next day. Um, Turin basically scares him, and the elf falls off a river and dies on a rock. Um, spoiler alert, this happens a lot in this chapter. Yeah. Um, Turin has his next big idiot decision, which is probably certainly part of his doom, but um, he's like convinced that Thingol, who has basically raised him, is going to punish him which, or send him to his room <laughs> um so anyway he just he runs away because he thinks that he's gonna get in really big trouble even though of course he's not this dude called him harry <laughs> <laughs> so basically he ends up joining another band of outlaws um even though what there are laws half of this place is now controlled by by morgoth there are no laws um but these guys actually just attack everyone you know they don't really care who they don't have to be evil so in as much as there are laws they're outlaws they're bad dudes um yeah so um mablong who was the captain of doriath who had been with turin when this all went down um goes back tells single what happened Thingol's like yeah man that seems like everything Turin, Turin wasn't particularly stupid this time. He's fine. Well, pardon him. Whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Turin's another, more more rare leniency from Thingol, but, you know, father figure. Whatever. Um, so Beleg, Turin's buddy, returns and decides to go after Turin to tell him, you know, you're pardoned. Come on. Get back here, dude. I like Beleg a lot. Sure, sure. He's, he's a good dude. Um, who is Until, way too attached yeah. to a not good dude? I know what the hell. So anyway, aren't we all? Basically, Bella goes after um Turin and gets taken by Turin's outlaws because Turin was gone, and so they do very bad things to him. Uh, Turin shows up and is filled with shame at what his outlaws did, and so he he promises to only hunt evil people. Um, 
but he's he's not going to take the pardon because he's an idiot. Um, it's like mentioned that it's like in the pride of his heart, Turin refused the pardon of the king. And remember, this guy just ran away because he thought he might get punished. Maybe. He was mm-hmm. not sent into exile. He doesn't even really need to be pardoned. He did this to himself. Anyway, so Bella goes back and pretty much asks to be like, look, Turin's not taking the pardon, but I want to I keep my, uh, my buddy out of trouble. So he asks for a sword and is given one by Thingol that is made from a star and super strong and badass, but has evilness in it. And it was made by Malian. our good friend. Yes, it was made by our emo friend in the woods, um, whatever his name was. Yeah, the emo Point elf. Is, who doesn't yeah. like the sun and whose son killed him and, mm-hmm. you know. All that fun. Um, evil sword. Fearsome, but evil. Melian says that bad things will happen because this sword is evil. No one listens. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, she actually gives him some lembus. Which I really liked noting because Lembus bread. We know Lembus bread. And B, I just flipped to quote from the book that um she, you know, she knew it was being given when he went to go with um Bellig was gonna go hunt down humans. And so it was the first time that men had been allowed Lembus and um that they uh they seldom gave it to them again. And I like that line because we all know when some humans get some lumbus. <laughs> this actually confused yep. the heck out of me, the way it was written, because I thought it was saying that Belig was a human. I did too. And I was like, but I, but he, but he's but an he's elf. Not? I know yeah. he's an elf. Anyway, yeah. Tolkien's writing is very confusing in this one because all of the names and geography are listed and no one needs to know all of it. So, yeah. Also, 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 I just wanted also, to say- also. He doesn't just randomly ask for a sword. Thingle says, you can ask for anything. Dear God, I wish he had asked for the Silmaril. Right. I really just wanted to see what would have happened. That would have been. Because Thingle literally like, gives him this oath. Like, anything I have, you can have. Yeah. I really wanted him to ask for I'm the I'm going to assume that he didn't mean the Silmaril, yeah. but man. That would have been so much better. That would have been a gem. But instead, evil sword. And anyway, the last thing the situation needed was a Silmaril. No, that's true. But yeah, would have been funny. Would have been funny. So on that note, meanwhile, elsewhere, the outlaws are still running around and they catch a petty dwarf named Mim. Uh, they also kill another one who uh, turned out was Mim's son. I thought they were supposed to only be hunting evil people now, but eh, whatever. But um, basically they've captured him. They convince um Mim to let them live on their secret, uh, the secret mountain for a while. They spend a, a page and a half or so just like chatting. Um, Belig eventually shows up and uses the Lembus and his healing abilities to heal um, Turin, his one true love's um, outlaws. <laughs> <laughs> Why were they hurting? I don't even remember. And um, just, I, it's cold and. They're right, they ran out of food and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, carry on. Sorry. There's a lot of, like, tangential, just, like, orcs are roaming around, so stuff happens. Yeah. Um. Anyway, Balag shows up, and Mim isn't happy about it because he hates elves. I mean, everyone really, but especially elves. So during this time, Turin does some more fighting, and he's wearing his super-duper obvious helm of Hador that his mom sent to him. And so, of course, Morgoth knows that it's him, and Morgoth is sworn to mess with Turin for all eternity. So um, he sends out some orcs, and they capture Mim, and Mim pretty much betrays everyone. He's like, don't kill Turin. And they're like, yeah, no, we want to torture him. Sure, whatever. So Turin gets taken. Beleg is wounded, but not dead. Everyone else is dead. Fun times. But we didn't care about those outlaws anyways. They were randomly nope. shooting dwarves that they walked across. So. Yeah. I don't even think they ever got names. <laughs> I don't think they did. And you know how Tolkien loves naming people. Mm-hmm. So they really must not have been important. Yeah. So they've taken Turin, and Beleg follows because he has to rescue his boy. 
And while he's uh, walking after them, he ends up finding Gwyndor, who had escaped the mines after being put into forced labor. So uh, he convinces Gwyndor to come along with him, and they end up sneaking into the orc camp to rescue Turin. Everything's going great. They go to to cut Turin's bonds, but um, fate, <laughs> fate wanted to do some stuff, um, aka that curse. So um, instead, like while he's cutting the ropes or whatever, he pricks Turin in the foot, and Turin is like, "Rah, someone!" and he kills his boyfriend. Yeah, bad move. Um, I didn't write this in my notes here, but doom, very doom. Very do. I mean, I was actually really happy to see that Gwyndor was still alive because the last we saw of him, mm-hmm. he was probably going to die. Yeah, he was trapped in Angband. Yeah, he just sort of got swallowed up. But I guess it's noted that the elves are too talented. He doesn't actually, or Morgoth doesn't actually kill many of them. He just puts them to work. Yeah. But now Bella gets dead. Yeah, a- anyway, now Bella gets dead. It's very sad. Was good while he was a lasted. good dude. Yep. Turin does feel guilty about it, but Gwyndor convinces guilty. him to move because they're right by the orc camp um and they end up going to nargothrond and apparently i had something i wanted to talk about so um as they're going to nargothrond um turin asks gwyndor if he's seen his father hurin and gwyndor says like no i haven't but um there's rumor that morgoth has laid a curse upon him and all his kin and turin says that I do believe. <laughs> <laughs> you are super obviously cursed, dude. <laughs> anyway, um, so we're in Nargothron now, and Turin takes on one of his different names because he doesn't want people to know who he is. Um, but that said, he is uh, super pretty and has the wonderful vocal capacities of someone who grew up with elves. So everyone loves him. Um, and uh, Gwyndor had been in love with uh, Finduilas. Uh, but yeah, she, um, against her will, ends up falling in love with Turin. Like, what the fuck? It's very much emphasized what the fuck that indeed? she doesn't want this. Anyway, curse? Nobody really yeah. wants a love triangle. Yeah. Um, I mean, polyamory. Some people do, but still. <laughs> anyway, um, how many times can I fit Doom in a couple sentences? Gwyndor basically tells Finduilas, Doom! Like, this is this is Turin. He's doomed. Um, Turin freaks out because he was trying to hide who he is. He's like, why did you tell her? You're bringing Doom here! And Gwyndor tells him, that the doom lies in yourself, not in your name. Anyway, everyone is doomed. Um, but Turin is busy hating how the uh, Nargothrond elves have been uh, fighting with sneakiness. And so he convinces them to build a bridge and ride out openly because this worked so well for everyone else who just died in the last battle. Um, the, I it, don't understand doing... why people listen to him. He's a human who just showed up in this... right. He Elf literally kingdom. just showed up, but he's super pretty. And the plot wouldn't move without him, so... No. I guess. But this is when I start to really hate Turin. Because he knows he's cursed now. And he's still just like, no, no. If I tell people I'm cursed, they'll kick me out. So I'll hide it, even though I'm going to bring the curse to them. But I'll get to live in this city. Like, fuck you, Turin. And that he, like... You can you can live there and like say your thing, but then when people say that maybe that's not the best idea, like listen to it because you're cursed. You don't have to be, you know, so insistent on your way or the highway, but anyway. I hate it. You know what would He's an asshole. What would cure the curse if he just went to live in a cave alone by himself? Yep. Sounds good Caught to some me. Fish. I mean, he could have just stayed in Doriath. <laughs> I wonder, actually, because he the curse seemed to not affect him while he was growing up, so I wonder if the Girdle of Melian kind of protected him from the curse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is noted, actually, in this chapter, um, it's like a side note, but Melian is like the only person who can really fight on equal footing with um, Morgoth, 
mm-hmm. and like she's the only one who can kind of see through his evil stuff so yeah it's quite possible that i don't know she's the dumbledore and it's hogwarts <laughs> <laughs> anyway on that note um yeah some elves show up to say that orcs are coming morgoth is pissed get rid of this bridge stay safe and turin is like ha no of course not <laughs> can't do that and guess what happens it's doom <laughs> doom doom we entertain ourselves if no one else we yep. have a good time dear listeners um, what rachel has written here is all caps doom arrives look there's Dressed a dragon impressed all right if you have a dragon you get to be all caps doom that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> so basically, yeah, the orcs and the dragon sack Nargothrond because they can access it through the bridge. Uh, just about everyone gets killed, but they take some of the women, including Finduilas. Um, They end up also killing Gwyndor, who has just enough time to tell um, Turin that he's messed up, and his only chance at escaping his doom is to save Finduilas. Um, spoiler alert, doesn't happen. He sort of tries. <coughs> Um, he goes to try and save her, but, uh, comes across the dragon who ensnares Turin with his eyes and, um, gives him a whole bunch of insults. Uh, my favorite of which was Captain Foolhardy. <laughs> I enjoy that the, that, like, he confronts a dragon and they have, like, a battle of insults. They have insults. a staring contest. And, yeah. I love it. Yes. So that's where I had my, um... In, in Norse mythology, in one of the Eddas, there's a part where basically Loki just shows up unannounced to a party and roasts everyone. <laughs> um, that's it. That's the plot. And that definitely made me think of this because it's pretty much just Glarung naming insults. Um, but anyway, after freezing him for long enough for the orcs to get away... Glarung then convinces Turin that he needs to go after his mom and his sister in Dorlomin and ignore Finduilas. Uh, so Turin does that. But, um, hey, Morwen and Neonor had actually finally left Dorlomin to go to Doriath finally. when Turin isn't there. Yep. It sucks. They're very sad about it. I guess we should remember that technically Morwen and Neonor are also cursed. Yes. Well, Neonor at least is. I think it said, well, yeah, Neonor at least is. Yeah. I don't know if she counts as, if it was kin in general or just children and does marriage count as kin, but. Yeah, curses are tricksy. Yep. I mean, she's sort of necessary to make things happen, so at least tangentially enough. Um mm-hmm. Anyway, so yeah, that's the whole curse thing. They wouldn't go when they were first invited, but well, now because Turin isn't there. Um, but Turin shows up at his um, home in Dorlomine and learns that Morin and Neonor have left. And so he kills everyone. That's it. That's what happens. Um, he realizes that, you know... Glaurung had kind of tricked him, so he goes back to try and find Finduilas, and, um, well, learns that she and everyone else is dead. (laughs) Doom. There's a theme in this chapter. Everyone dies. Yep. I feel like at this point, Turin is just as much of a curse as a Silmaril. You know, like... (laughs) He very much is on that level. You know, that's fair. Yeah. Even Everybody who comes into contact with him dead dead and not not in good ways not in good ways not at all so he ends up living with there are a few remaining people of Haleth and um they are led by a guy named Brandir who is <clears throat> quote gentle but lame and here's where we get to the super fun ableism yeah yay end of this chapter gets real fun guys but first we have to flash back to Doriath Morwen um doesn't listen to Melian, who tells her to stay put, and decides that since Turin isn't there, she needs to go find him. Yay. Um, 
So Thingol at least sends Mablung uh, and some other guards with her. Uh, Neonor is supposed to stay behind, but she sneaks out after them, because of course. Uh, Glarung, the dragon, knew they were coming and um, ended up like laying in a river, which sent up like noxious odors and uh, fog and stuff, and it confused everyone. Secret power of dragons. Um, basically, everyone gets confused and lost. Um, and Glarung finds Neonor and curses her to be blind and deaf and also forget literally everything. Um, she eventually gets found after this by Mablung, who is pretty much like, well, shit, that's, that's not good. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, and it should be noted that, uh, Morwen is just, she's lost and no one ever knows what happens to her. Really? Well, yeah. women are boring anyway. Why would we include yep. them in a story? In That's my head. <laughs> pretty much. I feel like I remember her like getting lost and falling into a river and dying, but maybe that's just because that happens a lot in this chapter. Yeah, I mean, she probably did, but um, yeah, some were in fact dashed against trees and slain and stuff. But thus, the ladies were lost, and of Morwen, indeed, no sure tidings ever came or came ever to Doriath after. Hmm. Classic. What a good ending for her. But anyway, so um, Mablong tries to take Neonor back to Doriath, but they're attacked by orcs who have been kind of patrolling right around the edge of the girdle. And in this moment, Neonor regains her senses and runs away while tearing all of her clothes off. <laughs> sure. Um, three guesses who finds her. It's Turin, who, remember, is her brother. But she has no idea who she is. Uh, so he ends up calling her Niniel, <laughs> uh, which apparently means tear maiden because she was crying when you found her. Brandir, the leader of the humans, ends up also falling in love with her, but uh, she loves Turin instead because curse. Um, and it's after a bunch of time. It's not like mm-hmm. you can ever love a man who's not completely able-bodied. He's mm-hmm. not lovable no. or respectable. Oh, yeah, totally or... not. I mean, he helped nurse her back to health, but... But whatever. Nope. No honor yeah. in him. Mm-hmm. God, this chapter is a mess. Yeah. Anyway, Turin and Niniel, a.k.a. his sister Neonor, get married, and, oh, she's pregnant. Yeah. Um, at this wonderful point in time, this has been, like, three years, um, Glarung comes back. Yeah, I... I guess we could mention that they were literally happily married together for a couple of years. It wasn't, it wasn't like within a month or so yeah. that Glavron came back. Yeah, I think it was like there was no, a while no. that she was like sort of refusing him, but after three years, like Tur- uh, Turin asked her once, and she didn't because so Brander kind of knows that something he has the sense of doom, but doesn't really know what's going mm-hmm. on and so he tries to tell um Niniel not to marry Turin she listens once but after three years yep they get married fun times and then everything happens yeah so <laughs> uh Glaring has decided that enough has gone down and he comes back uh Turin has finally embraced sneaking at least when it comes to dragons so <laughs> he um <laughs> he decides to go after Glarung, and only one other dude agrees to come with him. Um, and this dude is named Dorlas, and he basically shames Brandir because he's lame and can't truly lead his people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Total asshole. But some some guy named Hunthor does agree to go in Brandir's place. And so um, three of them end up going off to try and kill the dragon um but after they leave Niniel, aka neonor decides that she needs to follow and a bunch of people do go with her um and they abandon abandon brandier who's like you know apparently no one actually liked him because how can you actually like someone who leads with you know a less than able body <sighs> you know yep. yeah Anyway, um, he is really mad at them all, but he does love 
Nenial, so he ends up grabbing a sword to follow behind, but, quote, being lame, he fell far behind. Good stuff. Not. Um, it was sad. Anyway, we're not over yet. Um, Glarung is busy lying on the opposite side of a cliff. It has, like, a river going under it. Um, so Turin decides to climb down across and then sneak up under Glarung. Um, the guy, uh, Dorlas, who had been throwing the horrible shame and insulting, um, Brandier, is too afraid to do this, but, yeah. But Turin and Hunter, the other guy, end up making the journey. But, uh, Glarung wakes up and a falling rock kills Hunter. Yay. However, Turin does manage to stab Glarung. Yay! Um, yes. Yay. Uh, we can talk about his sword later. I'm very confused by the sword. But when he stabs Glarung, a spurt of venom comes out, and it hurts Turin's hand. And Glarung gives him a horrible, fearsome stare, and Turin swoons. Uh, killing a dragon makes a lot of noise, so Niniel runs after it. Finds Turin, cries on his injured hand, and binds it. Uh, then, in his, like, dying breath, Glarong looks at her and is like, Ha, ha, ha! I screwed up everything for you! <laughs> I did quote the exact line here. It's basically, um, Hail, Neonor, daughter of Hurin, we meet again ere the end. I give thee joy that thou hast found thy brother at last. And now thou shalt know him, a stabber in the dark, treacherous to foes, faithless to friends, and a curse unto his kin, Turin, son of Hurin. But the worst of all his deeds thou shalt feel in thyself. Which, remember, she's pregnant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's one asshole dragon. So to get in that last it, blow before he uh, left. Pretty much. Um, so Niniel has remembered everything and is like i incest oh god and throws herself off the cliff and it's noted that in the spot where she did that nothing will ever grow there again no animals will grow there it becomes called the leap of dreadful doom it seems to me that you wouldn't ever want to call a place that because then people would go there to kill themselves right like you know forethought was clearly not here so, after this is all happening, and Brandier has caught up and ends up killing Dorlas, who had shamed him, um, he tells everyone that Niniel and the dragon and Turin are all dead. But uh, Turin woke up from his swoon and shows up. So, Dorlas's wife uh, calls Brandier a liar, and Turin is super pissed off, um, and insults Brandir by calling him Clubfoot, and then kills him, because he's a good human being. Um, and then, in true Shakespearean fashion, um, Mablung now shows up from uh, Doriath, because he'd been out searching for Neonor, and he explains that Neonor had been cursed, and Torin realizes everything that had happened, and how he's been dooming everyone and killed innocent people and it's been not good. And so he runs away and talks to his evil sword and begs it to agree to kill him. And the sword actually talks back to him, which basically says, yeah, you used me to kill a bunch of innocent people, including your like best friend. Um, let me get my payback. Um, so Turin falls on his sword and the sword ends up falling apart after killing Turin. And the elves and men together burn the dragon, build a mound for Turin, and make a gravestone for Turin and Neonor, even though her body washed away. The end. Everyone's dead. Yeah. It almost kind of sucks. At least this chapter's over. That Turin killed the dragon because now people are going to remember him in a good light. Right? As like a hero. Yay! But no, he was an asshole. No, he was really not good. Like, yeah, sure, you killed the dragon, but you killed At everyone else, too. Including all of Nargothrond. Yeah. 
So, yeah, Nargothrond was our, our secret place as opposed to the secret, secret place. And then we have protected Doriath. But, like, that was one of the strongholds that might held out. And it's gone just because of this one dude. Yeah. I think before he died, Glaurung, like, made that his dragon horde. He just sort of yes, set up he camp did. there. He collected all of the treasures and slept on them. <laughs> as dragons do. I, I'm also just going to mention that you cut out, well, my favorite bit from this chapter Oops. Which is when, well, not really, just I like, like is a strange term for this, but I feel the heartache, I suppose, when Neonor dies and the last thing she sell, says is farewell, oh, twice beloved. I'm like, oh, that's sad. I feel really bad for her. She got, she got kind of fucked over there. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Mm-hmm. And she does also say, Master, uses his name and says, Master of Doom by Doom Bastard. <laughs> Which does kind of sum it up. Oh, happy to be dead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is very, you know, last last chapter you talked about, or episode, whatever, um, Tolkien trying to outdo Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. This is very, you know, Hamlet with bonus... Well, there's there's got to be one where there are people who don't know they're related. Um, I can only think of like comedies. Yeah, but that's mashing them all together. But ver I very much think of you know like Horatio showing up at the end of Hamlet, like, well, hey everyone. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I think he particularly didn't like Hamlet, but I think I'm thinking of um, uh, the Scottish play mm -hmm. Macbeth. Macbeth. Yeah. yeah, we're not putting it on. We can say it. <laughs> I, I honestly, I, I forgot the name there, and I remembered being in theater. <laughs> um, what I'm wondering is, do you think Turin would have been a good dude if he hadn't been cursed, or do you think he was always meant to be an asshole? I mean, it's hard to know because he is a character with a very specific function mm -hmm. over the course of this story, so. He was never met for anything I definitely else. think he had too much of an ego. Yeah. Also, every character in this book makes problems for everyone around them. So I don't think he was going to be any different. That's fair. But yeah. I, but I think definitely, you know, the curse kind of... Helped things emphasizes along. Emphasizes everything. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I think just... I mean, between like the ego of refusing a pardon and of insisting on this stupid bridge to let everyone into Nargothrond. Ugh. Yeah, the Nargothrond bits are the most upsetting. Because mm -hmm. what the heck, dude? Just... Yeah, and it's like, is it is it the curse telling everyone else to listen to him? Yeah, why does everybody like him wherever he goes? Mm -hmm. That I never understood. He's an asshole. Yeah. Like, I don't... I don't care how pretty he is. They say he's like the prettiest of all humans, but he's around. That was the most unrealistic part. That bit right there. Yeah. I also wish the sword had talked more. Yeah. The, yeah, come on. He had a talking sword this whole time? Exactly. Exactly. But I also feel like if the sword could talk, maybe he could have offered some advice not to fuck up so much along the way. Because really, if the sword could talk and had, like, you know, reasoning skills, mm -hmm. which he seems to at the end, then mm -hmm. he could have made some decisions. Yeah. I do think, on one hand, maybe the sword was choosing not to because he realized if you became friends with Turin, you ended up dead. But the sword was <laughs> destroyed at the end anyway. But he's a sword. How do you die? Yeah. Well, if it can talk, it must have some sort of consciousness that it wants to remain. Let's not get into the yeah. existentialism of talking swords. Here's the part of the sword that messed me up, was that when Turin is stabbing the dragon, he keeps describing, like, the hilts with an S at the end, a plural hilts, went up, you know, he, he stabbed him to the hilts, and it's multiple just a, times. Just a stylistic choice. He also says grabs it by the hilts at one point, which puts a really funny image in my head of him, like, not using the handle and, like, <laughs> double fisting the hilt. Yeah. 
Yeah. Maybe I'm just confused about what the parts of a sword are named. No, I, I mean, usually it's a hill, but maybe it's like an American versus British English type of thing. Because yeah, we do tend to leave the S's off of things. But just that's it. The hilt is, it's the whole part that you hold. And I'm picturing some weird like mutant sword with <laughs> two hilts. Also, I mean, I'm Canadian, not American. We, I, and I am just as confused as you are. And we usually keep the, uh, your U's you know. and your Z's. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Z. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now I'm looking at a diagram of some swords. And I will say <laughs> yep. that because, like, the pommel, the grip, and the crossy, the cross guard are all part mm-hmm. of the hilt, it could be that by saying hilts, he just means all of those parts, and he is referring to them as hilts. That's all I got, really. Yeah, but you only have two hands, so... Yeah. Tolkien you know, should have fought in some more old-timey battles and not I World know, War right? One. <laughs> Why didn't somebody well, put I, a sword so, in his hand instead of a machine gun? Oh, God. <laughs> so my thought was um, that the reason why this sword could talk was because it had killed a dragon, which was like a throwback to Norse mythology. There's a sword um, named Graham. Oh, God, I'm pretty sure, but don't quote me. A sword named Graham that's used by Sigurd to kill a dragon, whose name I can't remember because it was, you know, Norse mythology. And I thought that maybe that's why this particular sword could talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it killed Fafnir. We have a lot of throwbacks to different types of mythology in this chapter. Mm-hmm. It's like he's mining disasters from other people. I do like the idea that it was still Glaurung in the sword, talking to him, convincing him to kill himself. <laughs> like, he had to get in that last <laughs> that last mental anguish there. That is a good image. Or maybe it was, like, the... I was going to say personification, but it was a sword. So the swordification, whatever, <laughs> of the curse itself. Yeah. On the other hand, I kind of just like that the sword has just seen too much... it's like yeah buddy we're done now let's just we've killed too many people together let's end it together you jump i jump jack that was the real that was the real love story turn and his sword (laughs) neither of them get a door yeah Yeah, it is i I will say it's interesting i kind of got the impression from how this chapter was structured and written that this was definitely one of the ones that was written kind of as a separate entity. Yeah. Because the use of all of the, uh, everyone gets extra epithets and all of the, the geography, it doesn't feel like, you know, how it would if it were written in a narrative at the end of this story when we know who everyone is. And I think it's interesting that you get so many of the Tolkienisms for good and bad of, you know, the, girls who are just pretty falling in love against their will because that's their entire purpose and the ableism and the it, it, it's really like a microcosm for the entire book also doom i was just looking up the the singular book version of this story um the children of Huron, mm-hmm. to see because i know in the the book version of baron and luthien um Christopher Tolkien also published the the poem version. Mm-hmm. Whatever. I can't remember the name of what you would call that, even though we talked about it in the episode we recorded. Anyways, not important. But it doesn't look like this one does. It looks like this one is just one narrative of mm-hmm. this chapter, all expanded and told in book form. Which on one hand I'd like to read, but on the other hand, like... Man, this chapter sucks. Yeah. Like, it is just... It really did. It's just... Everyone dies. Yep. And again, you've got Huron sitting up there just, just watching, watching this all happen. And also, it. I don't like the main character. I don't know if I can do a full book of Turin. Mm-hmm. Something they're going, Perhaps Tolkien's most three-dimensional figure. No! <laughs> <laughs> no, he's terrible! He's nothing but terrible. That's all he does is terribleness. Yeah. 
He just makes bad choices after bad choices. I mean, like, Majros is probably the most three-dimensional character. And I'm not just saying that, because I know you love him. I do love Majros. I will be sad when we reach the end of this book and there's no more Majros. I mean, there's no more anybody from this book, except for <laughs> Galadriel. Kyrden shows up, doesn't oh, he? Kyrden shows up, yep. Is he the, yep. Sh- he's the, the ship dude? Kyrden so does show up, go. you are correct. And actually... And Lembus spread shows Lembus. up. And yeah. You know what? I was just looking, and we've only got three chapters left of the main Silmarillion story. We're doing good. So we're it's nearing the ultimate doom. from here. Anyway, you should definitely let us know if you like me summarizing everything with nothing but doom or if you prefer caitlin's who is a little bit more uh serious or something i don't think so i think we're just different not more or less anything besides the best part of this was my quick sum up makes bad choices kills the dragon then himself it's it's so true that's pretty much it if somebody told me i was cursed i would literally just go live in a cave with my phone and some Wi-Fi. Yep. I think that's actually called like a hotel these days. I'd go live in a hotel. <laughs> <laughs> Just do the best you can. Yeah. So, I don't understand. Yeah. If he didn't know about the Doom, I could have felt a little bit more sympathy for him. But I just got nothing. At least Neonor didn't know. Yeah, like twice over. Yeah. Had no idea she was doomed and then got, you know, overcome by a dragon and memory wiped. She was amnesiaed. Mm-hmm. Well, next week's homework is <laughs> chapter 22 of The Ruin of Doriath. It's another fun one. Yay. Obviously. It sounds like it. And yeah, be a super fun time. To be fair... We all know that that's, that's where a Silmaril is, and everybody knows it's there. So Sinildur, gonna go down. Sinildur couldn't let that sit for too long. Speaking of bad decisions. Yeah. Yeah, some stuff's about to happen that makes me not like Majros as much, but it's fine. It's fine. He's, as was previously mentioned, he's kind of a good dude. Good dude. <laughs> for real, though, who isn't cursed? Like... Really? Um, At this point. Melian. But she's cursed with a stupid husband. Yep. Hmm. The greatest oh, curse of true. all. You know what? That's the truth. At this point, I think Baron and Luthien are good. I don't think... Because they left the Silmaril behind. They're both mortal. Mm-hmm. Living out elsewhere. Keeping out of things. I think they're not cursed. Yeah. I think they're good. Okay, but to be fair, they already died. So, like, yeah, yeah they had to know. go through a lot to get there. <laughs> <laughs> they sort of maybe they broke their curse when they died. Yeah, yeah no, but everybody else is fucked. Yep. All right. And on that note, <laughs> I've um, been Rachel. I've been Emmy. Well, well, yeah, I was going to give our <laughs> contact info. Follow us places. <laughs> Um, so on that note, you can, if you have anything to say about Turin Trambar and how much of an asshole he is, you can tweet at us at ToReadTolkien, or you can email us at wanttoreadtolkien at gmail.com. If you like our Doom podcast, you can review and rate us on iTunes. That would be great. And I think that is everything. And may you be free from curses. Yes, no Doom for you. We set the bar pretty low here. All you have to do is tell us you like us. <laughs> oh. And not be cursed. So wait. That was what I was referring to, the not being cursed part. Mm-hmm. But are you saying that if they don't go and rate and review us, we will curse them, Morgoth style? That is exactly what I'm saying. All right. All right. Showing our overwhelmingly Slytherin panel here. She's showing our hand a little <laughs> early. Yeah. Um, (laughs) all right. I've been Caitlin. I've been Rachel. You were the only one who didn't do it, so just splice (laughs) us from earlier. Here to the end. (laughs) And that's Emmy. Okay. See you all next week. Bye. Bye.
I'm not sure if that's any better than us forgetting to sign off last 